saints who from their labours rest. This is Fiorella de Maria bringing you the early show all the way from a chilly England on All Saints Day. Should I say anything on the programme that strikes a chord, interests you or, heaven help me, causes you to choke on your continental breakfast, please let me know. As always, our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary and photographs of food at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat it is all saints day a blessed all saints day to you all this is just such a beautiful feast day i love it so much and it's also my daughter's 11th birthday today so the day started at 4 a.m we had our well we always do this for every birthday our special birthday breakfast there were pan au chocolat there were croissants there were little cinnamon pastries there were iced buns i gather this is a peculiarly british thing but they were a great favorite there were yum yums there were blueberries there were strawberries there were raspberries there were grapes there were pancakes there was everything you could possibly want to eat for breakfast and that was just the start. And then there was the trip to the ice rink and handing out of sweets and lots of happy birthdays from everyone. So it's just a lovely day. And the fact that my daughter's birthday happens to fall on All Saints is just perfect. Maggie is asking in the chat room. Um, oh, I see that we have another home showing request for today at 1pm. Please, in your charity, pray that St. Joseph helps us offload this house to a good family. Let's please pray. Pray for St. Joseph and all the saints that there will be a, an offer made today. Um, yeah, Denise praying and I'm praying too. We're all praying. It's going to be fine. I'm sure that there must be a family out there who really want your house and then you can go and build your amazing studio suite at Wilsingham West. Okay, so it being All Saints Day, who is your favourite saint? Or do you have a series of favourite saints? I would struggle, I have to say, really struggle, to tell you who my absolute favourite is. Um, there are many saints I really love and admire. I also find, I know when we talk about patron saints in the chat room, I find that your favourite saint can change as well as your, I wouldn't say your values change, but as your life experience changes, you can feel drawn to different saints. I'm very fond of Maximilian Colby. I feel I got much closer to him after writing the book. I would so love to see Hugh O'Flaherty and Willie Doyle canonised. Wouldn't that just be wonderful if in a year's time we were able to celebrate blessed Hugh O'Flaherty and blessed Willie Doyle. It's slightly more likely that Willie Doyle will make it because Hugh O'Flaherty doesn't even have his cause opened at the moment, but you know stranger things have happened. So who is your favourite saint? Anyone give me a favourite saint? It is also, just in case the day could not be perfect enough, it is also author day. There is such a thing. Every day should be author day. I'm, I'm reading here that it's also what national, okay, national prime meridian day and world vegan day let's not even bother with world vegan day shall we 
let's celebrate all those who eat quinoa and coriander or whatever um, and move on to National Author Day, which seems to me to be the sort of uh, sort of day you should celebrate. And you could always, there are so many easy ways to celebrate Author Day. I mean, you know, you could possibly go to the Founders Trading Post and buy a few of my books, possibly, just an idea. Um, but there are so many ways you can celebrate just taking time to read, taking time to learn a little bit more about your favorite author, supporting more junior authors, supporting aspiring authors. If you are out there working on your magnum opus, come on, own up in the chat room. How many of you are writing a novel or who have attempted to write a novel in the last 10 years? How many of you have a drawer full of chapter ones? If that's you, celebrate this day by doing a bit of writing. Uh, there is actually a, a competition in November, write a novel in a, in a month, write a novel in November. I think you're challenged to write 40 or 50,000 words. If you have been procrastinating over writing a novel, this is the place to go. Write that novel this November. So in honour of National Author Day, you can, yes, reread your favourite authors, give your loved ones books you enjoyed, learn more about authorship. Did you know, according to the Guinness Book of World Records, Agatha Christie is the world's best-selling author. Her books have been translated into over 44 languages and have sold over 4 billion copies worldwide. Four billion copies. I mean, I know it doesn't work like this, but that means that the majority of the world's population have read an, an Agatha Christie book. Of course, what actually happens is that there are people, there are nutters like me who have all her books pretty much on our shelves and those who don't. But a lot, a substantial people, number of people around the world know about Agatha Christie. This is exciting. Biggest selling um, author her books have sold more copies than any other book, except, of course, the Bible. Fittingly enough, on this day in history, on this day in 1604, William Shakespeare's tragedy Othello was presented for the first time at the Palace of Whitehall in London. The palace was the main resident of the English monarchs in London from 1530 until 1698. Othello is my favourite Shakespearean tragedy. Um, I think it is somewhat underrated as a tragedy. It's not as famous as Hamlet and Lear and Romeo and Juliet, but it's such an incredible play. It, um, it moves me every single time. But in honour of National Author Day, well, in honour of all saints, I'm asking who is your favourite saint? Answers in the chat room. But also in honour of National Author Day, I'm looking at the list of the best books of all time. The 30 best books ever written. Okay, you might be surprised I'd be interested to know if you could have a guess at what you think would fall into this list of the 30 greatest books of all time. It's not entirely clear from this list how they decided 
I think it's done mostly on good Goodreads rankings, which uh, may be a little bit fickle, but it'd be interesting to guess, where do you think, do you think you know which books are in the top 30? Name some books you think are in the top 30. Uh, Denise saying, St. Therese of Lisieux has been a favourite since my childhood. She's an early member of the Arch Fraternity of the Holy Face in Tours. I was accepted in March last year. Wonderful. That is really lovely. Okay. Well, so far, yes, Therese of Lisieux being my patron saint, I spent my childhood with her face, her serene face, staring down at me from a picture from my bedroom wall. Okay, good morning, Dwight. In 30th place, greatest novels of all time, Moby Dick by Herman Melville. I know not all that may be coming, but be it what it will, I'll go to it laughing. So this is a book about um, a group of people chasing a sperm whale. Hooray. Inspired by the traumatic real events endured by Captain George Pollard in 1820, when his whaling expedition ended in starvation and cannibalism. Okay. In 29th place, moving swiftly on, I've never read Moby Dick. Has anyone read Moby Dick? In 29th place, Things Fall Apart by Chinu Achebe, one of the great works to come from Africa, deals with the effect of imperialism in Nigeria in the 1890s. Um, it's become mainstream and, of course, it's taken the... The title is taken from the Yeats poem, Things Fall Apart, The Centre Cannot Hold. Again, another one I'm ashamed to say I have never read. In 28th place, The Old Man and the Sea by Ernest Hemingway. Wonderful novel, short novel that is supposed to be all about the passion, but actually is just about an old man on a fishing trip. It's Man Against Nature. 27th, The Catcher in the Rye. Sorry to admit it, but I have not read that one either. It's really worrying to me how many I haven't I haven't read. 26, The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain. Yes, absolutely do know that one. Remember studying that at school. I simply refuse to accept Lolita by Vladimir Nabokov being in any kind of a list. I just don't think Lolita has any right to be on any list of any book. Um, it's, um, yes... It's one of those sorts of books. Okay, let's move swiftly on. Maggie is saying, my confirmation saint is Saint Maria Goretti. My go-to saint is Saint Anthony because I'm constantly losing stuff. But my favourite saint is Saint Padre Pio. Oh, I said, Maggie, my great uncle went to confession to Padre Pio years and years ago. And of course, of course, we don't know what happened because it was confessional, but he completely changed. He went from being a bit of a lad, as, as the expression used to go, um, to being very, very devout. He completely, completely changed. So, yes, I, I think Padre Pio must have been an incredible man. Just to have had the experience of going to confession to him just must have been extraordinary. Um, any books you think belong in the top 30? In 24th place, Don Quixote by Cervantes. So it's not just English language books. 23rd place, The Great Gatsby. In 22nd place, Beloved by Toni Morrison. Brave New World 
No surprises there. Catch-22. I don't know, it's one of those books that sounds too depressing. Has anyone ever actually read any of these books? I'm kind of curious to know. The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck. Dracula. Okay, in 18th place. Here's a here's a book I have read many, many, many times and studied and been inspired by. Dracula by Bram Stoker. In 18th place. A book that went almost completely ignored when it was first published. Anna Karenina, which has been reviewed on the Fiorella Files. I should probably tell you which ones have been reviewed on the Fiorella Files. A Hundred Years of Solitude. The Picture of Dorian Gray, also reviewed on the Fiorella Files. Ross uh, is saying that Dracula was an excellent read. It is such a good read. I mean, it's, it's bonkers. It's crazy in so many ways. And yet it is a rollicking good read. You know perfectly well that no one's going to turn into a giant bat and fly around biting people's necks. And yet somehow you get so engrossed in the journey, in the story. You know, you're petrified for Jonathan Harker. Um, you, you know, you really worry about what's going to happen to him and his lovely girlfriend, Mina. It's one of those books that just, when I read it, I, I lay awake at night, you know, getting up to check that I closed the window. Um Oh, Maggie saying, I had to read Grapes of Wrath, Catcher in the Rye and Lord of the Flies in high school. I read Dracula in high school for fun on my own time. I wish there was not so much hysteria around Lord of the Flies. I think it's one of those books. It's been translated into about 40 languages. It's on the school syllabus of practically every school anywhere in the world, as far as I can make out. It's the book that you read when you're about 13, I think. And... It's, oh, it's so horrible. And, and it's it's not even true to life. It's it's written as something that's supposed to be true to life. And it isn't. People don't actually behave like that on, on deserted islands. There's no evidence at all that people naturally go feral. And yet it's had this huge influence. Um, Ross saying, I was not looking forward to Dorian Gray, but it was really good. It's so good. And it's so scary. I, mean, I was genuinely petrified reading that book and only Oscar Wilde could possibly have created that the way he sends up that shallow vain cruel world in which of course he lived and moved it's it's just really terrifying and th there's something about the twistedness of it but oh gosh knowing that that portrait is up there in the attic slowly twisting and creeping and turning and you know, oh and he apparently keeping his youthful face. No, I, I really did find it. it was one of the most frightening books. I'd, I found that a lot more frightening than Dracula, the picture of Dorian Gray. Um, Ross was saying, um, I was not looking forward to Dorian Gray, but really good. Anna Karenina, good but long. It's like most Russian novels. I always feel like a bit of a philistine when I read a Russian novel because I love Russian culture. Actually, I love, I love Russian literature. I love Russian music. But oh, my goodness. Um, I have to ration how much Russian classical literature I read because I do find after about the first five chapters, I start to lose the will to live. It is guaranteed to provoke an existential crisis on a massive scale. And with Anna Karenina, I felt really guilty. But part of me just thought all the way through, I just thought, why can't you just top yourself and just put us all out of our misery? It's just, just 
you know, make make some kind of a decision about whether your life is worth living or not, even if it's the wrong decision. Just do something. I can't take any more of this. Um, I just I found it absolutely emotionally exhausting and destructive. And yet it is such an incredible novel. It is just so amazing as a, as a piece of literature. It's regarded as one of the finest novels ever written. But, oh dear. Yes, I've just been reviewing some Chekhov short stories. And don't let this put you off tuning into the Fiorella files. They're incredible. They're just his mind, you know, the, the way Chekhov could sort of see what the revolution coming in slow motion. But, oh dear, oh dear. By the end, I was just like, everything's bad. Life's terrible. I don't want to get out of bed in the morning. Um, so definitely time to read something else. It is 25 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria, on this beautiful All Saints Day. Well, actually, it's chucking it down with rain, All Saints Day, but it's a beautiful day nonetheless. If you've missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. We have been talking about All Saints Day and who is your favourite saint. We can't talk about the saints enough. Come on, they are just so wonderful. Who's the funniest saint you've ever heard of? I mean, some of them had some very colourful lives. But it's also National Author Day. So in honour of National Author Day, I'm talking about the top 30 novels ever written. We're up to 15. I'm asking which novels you think should be in the top 30. And have you even heard of any of these ones? Ross saying, I've just finished All Quiet on the Western Front. Now, there's a feel good story. Yes, I mean, that novel had a massive impact on me as a teenager. I read it when I was studying the First World War and I found it just incredible reading about the First World War from the German point of view and and realising how very, very similar the, the experience of the common soldier actually was. Um, I don't think I've ever been so moved. I mean, by, I, I would say I, I think Ivan Denisovich is still the, the novel that had the biggest impact on me um, and moved me the most. And yet somehow of all the war literature I read, there was just something about All Quiet on the Western Front and the way you get so close to those boys and they are boys. They're so young and it's just devastating seeing what happens to them all. And I kept telling myself, well, at least since this book is in the first person, at least Paul's going to be all right. At least there's going to be one survivor because it does feel as if the whole world's dying at times reading it. But just in terms of the way it gets inside the mind of an 18 year old, um, at the beginning of the war, caught up in all that excitement. Yeah, just absurd. But yes, absolutely, it's not the biggest feel-good story. <laughs> and I'm not watching the recent film. I just don't think I can quite bring myself to. I, even the trailer was a little bit too much. I have watched the, the older film that was made, I think, in the 80s. And even that was a bit much. But now with all the special effects, I think it would be just completely unbearable. OK, so what is in the top 15 novels then? Okay, we've already said in the 15th place, The Picture of Dorian Gray, which is so scary, it's so scary, it's so scary, really, really scary book. This I cannot believe. In 14th place, just according to popularity, is The Handmaid's Tale. 
Oh, Pearlies, The Handmaid's Tale. Okay, I'll just um, yeah, just move on. Even seeing you know, the red, the red dresses and the white bonnets sort of makes me feel slightly queasy. I just think about people ransacking churches and stuff like that. In thirteenth place. Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. Now that's a bit more like it. First published under the pseudonym Currabelle because Charlotte Bronte thought that she could not be taken seriously as a female writer. In 12th place, Memoirs of Aguisha by Arthur Golden. Haven't read it. Anyone read it? Um, yes, Maggie's saying that in 14th place... The Handmaid's Tale in 14th place. Oh, give me strength. Bear in mind, this is just based on rankings in terms of how people have reviewed books. So I think, I mean, I, is anyone going to be reading The Handmaid's Tale in 50 years' time? Just wondering, you know, just a, just a thought. Uh, Jacqueline, good morning. Slept in a bit because we're off today for All Saints. You enjoy a lie-in. I think that's really important. I did enjoy my lie-in at the weekend because of the extra hour. Sometimes you just need to be able to relax. And you work very hard, Jacqueline. In 11th place, The Secret History by Donna Tartt. Now, I've read another of Donna Tartt's books. Um, how embarrassing. I can't remember the name. About the boy who gets murdered, the child who gets murdered can't remember the name and i've reviewed it and everything it's gone completely out of my mind but donna tart i mean she's a serious she's a serious author um i think she only brings out a novel about once every 10 years but they're masterpieces every single one um yes denise you also had a lion i'm so glad you got the chance to have a lion that you weren't you know being dragged out of bed first thing in the morning dr torres is saying i hope there's some henry james on that list the turn of the screw Herman Melville's Moby Dick. Herman Melville's Moby Dick was in 30th place. So Melville has got in there. I'm not sure about Henry James. We will sh shortly find out. Ross saying, who wants to read it? Well, I mean, the awful thing is, I've mentioned this before, but Margaret Atwood came to my university when I was a student to give a series of lectures. And huge excitement. She was giving the Cambridge, I can't remember what, what the lecture series was called. And she had this huge lecture hall. They, they gave her the biggest lecture hall. First lecture, it was packed, standing room only. We were so excited at this amazing author who was coming to speak to us. She was so boring. She had the worst presentation skills imaginable. Some writers just do. Some, some writers just don't do public speaking. It was really tedious. She just rammed her face into her paper and sounded really as if she was talking to herself. And it was really noticing <laughs> noticeable that the audience got smaller and smaller and smaller as the lecture series went on. She was very, very uninspiring during the Q&A session. It was just a bit of a fiasco, really. Um, Dr. Torres is saying, um, The Finch. I couldn't get into The Finch, didn't care for the style of writing. Okay, um, don't know it. Ross saying, I'm a big Charles Dickens fan. I'll be amazed if Charles Dickens is not in this list somewhere. Hang on. In... Da, 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 da. Tenth place. Drum roll. 1984 by George Orwell. 
It was a bright, cold day in April. The clocks were striking 13. I'm amazed it's not in first place. It pops up all over the place. Jacqueline's saying, speaking of authors, my students are working on some short descriptive passages. I told them I was sending them to you via email when they're done writing, editing and rewriting. That's great, Jacqueline. You do that. Seriously. No, no, no pressure. No, absolutely. Happy to help. Um, you know, there, there, might, there might be the next Charles Dickens in that class, for all we know. Ross saying, um, recently read Middlemarch. I wasn't looking forward to that one, but it's much better than I ever dreamed. It's a rollicking good read. It's not the sort of book you expect to be excited by, but I couldn't put it down. In fact, George Eliot's books generally I find very, very readable. Once you've got beyond the 19th century um, tone, you know, it, it, takes, it takes a little while to get used to the, the language, but her stories are really, really interesting, her character development and everything. So no, I, I'm, George Eliot, I hope, is also going to turn up in the top 10 somewhere. Um, I'm just wondering how much more I can do before we go to an ad break because the clock is ticking. I think I'm going to have to leave it there for the moment. What are the books going to be in the top 10 of the finest novels ever written, the most popular novels ever written at least? You are listening to The Early Show. Our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723. That's 844-527-8723. And the Crusader Stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Somehow or other, we haven't had any pictures of food yet. Just saying. Do talk to me. Do join this conversation. The Early Show will continue in a few moments. Here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. the show's rebroadcast at midday for those of you just joining us you're listening to the early show with your hostess from across the pond Corella de maria our call-in telephone number is 844-527-8723 that's 844-527-8723 and the crusader stadium chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat please switch that off <laughs> do talk to me to join the conversation i hope you're enjoying a hearty full english breakfast to celebrate the feast day of all saints 
Good grief. I feel like that really annoying air raid warden in Dad's Army whenever I hear Mike's dreadful music. He always shouts, put that light out, because there's a blackout. And I feel like I'm trying to switch that music off. Um, anyway, if you have just joined us and you had the misfortune to miss the first segment, never fear, you can get the whole of the early show as a podcast, same day from crusademax.com. We have been talking about, well, what else could we talk about on the 1st of November? It is the feast day of all saints. We are talking about saints, our favourite saints, the funniest saints, the most obscure saints. Who are who are your go-to saints? Maggie goes to St. Anthony because she's always losing stuff. Yes. What did St. Anthony do to deserve spending eternity finding people's car keys? I mean, really... It is also National Author Day, and we're looking at the top 30 books. This is not, in fact, the top 30 books of all time, really. It's the top 30 books as ranked by the Goodreads site. So this is all entirely based upon customer reviews. I should say this because some of the things that have come up have been truly awful. Like, The Handmaid's Tale is the 14th most popular book ever written. Really? Um, and... It's also quite America heavy. I noticed the the list of authors, um, so I'm just uh, just drawing attention to the fact that this is a sort of popular list rather than having an awful lot to do with the quality. And I've also asked, you know, what books would you like to see in the top lists? I've also pointed out, yeah, it's since it's National Author Day, you could always support a little author by going and buying some of my books from the chat room. No, not from the chat room, from the Founders Trading Post. Sorry, I had a very early start day. It is also my daughter's birthday, which is a, it's a wonderful day to have a birthday. So the day started very early <sighs> with birthday breakfast. Right, uh, da, 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 da. Dr. Torres is saying, did the young and gifted Eleanor Catton, Caton, Catton, um, make the list for the luminaries? Oh, what language? Nope, sadly not. Salvatore Scibona, the end? No, not at all. Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House, believe it or not, no. Um, ah, the finch, I meant the goldfinch, that's Donatart, sorry, sorry, the goldfinch. Okay, yes, yes, I thought the finch, the finch, what's that? Um, the Goldfinch movie was great, however. Why can't I remember the name of... You know the, the Donna Tartt book about... Yes, the, the, the little boy... It starts with a little boy being murdered. They find it Robin's body. and They find Robin's body. And then there's, it's all told from the perspective of an adolescent girl called Harriet. It's gone completely out of my head. Um, it's got a really scary picture on the front cover of sort of, sort of a doll without eyes. Um Paul C. is saying, good morning, all. I hope there's a Beverly Cleary book in that top ten. As a child, her books were my favourites. Sadly, no. Um, Jacqueline, books and food. Can anything be more beautiful? Books and food. Is there anything else you need? Um, uh, Jacqueline, this looks like the perfect book. The big book of pizza. Foolproof pies in every style. This is my kind of recipe book. This is great. Thanks for sharing. And uh, Denise, I'm saying, I don't think the pizza book will be in the top 20, but I could use that. You never get recipe books in these lists. And I must say, I'm very fond of recipe books. It's rather silly. I don't, I'm, I don't know if I'm the only person who does this, the only woman who does this anyway. I love recipe books. I, I have a lot of recipe books. I love them when they, they're really nicely put together with beautiful pictures and you know, just nicely laid out. 
and I never use them. Whenever I need to make anything, which I do on a daily basis, I always just look it up online. I, I love, aesthetically, I love recipe books, but I don't really, really need them, to be quite honest. They're, they're just there for me to look through and think, oh, that looks lovely. Oh, that looks lo doesn't that look lovely? Um, without me ever, in fact, cooking it up in a saucepan. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. Um Ross is saying, I just love Don Quixote. I don't think I ever laughed out loud so often as when I read that. Sancho is so funny. I wanted to see his next line. So much fun. Well, of course, if you enjoyed that, you may enjoy Graham Greene's um, nod to Don Quixote, Monsignor Quixote, set in Spain just after the Civil War. And that has some glorious moments in it between the, the priest between Monsignor Quixote and the communist mayor, who he calls Sancho Panza. Um, and, I mean, moments where they get into situations which are just so hilarious. I really did laugh out loud and hope nobody was looking. And yet, at the same time, it had this desperately sad, sort of wistful undercurrent to it. You know, it was just incredible. So, uh, but Don Quixote, of course, cannot be matched. Jacqueline saying, it's National Calzone Day. Oh, I do love calzone. I really, really do. Yeah, your fault, Fiorella Fazi. You said no one posted food. Well, thank you. It's, it's made my day. Do you know, I can hear the rain hammering against the wind windows. I don't know if you can hear it, um, whether the microphone's picking it up. It is so, so wet. We've had weeks of this now. Um, flood warnings all over the place. Literally, the rain just absolutely hammering down day and night with no signs of stopping. And I feel sort of cosy sitting here hearing it. And seeing all these lovely pictures of food and references to books just makes me feel all sort of homey and safe. Yes, calzone is wonderful. And those calzone look perfect. The King Dude, the song is called Saint Teresa. I'm sorry, all I could hear was, meh, sorry. Um... You mean even that that's actually high art, and I, I just it didn't. Okay, who who sings it? Um, Andre is saying. I remember as a teenage reader, being impressed by the book *In Desert and Wilderness* by the author of Quavadis. Aha! Um, a Polish engineer works on the construction of the Suez Canal. The book is about the adventures of his young children. Adventure book for young people. Do you know, I don't think I realised that Corvadis was written by a Polish author. Um, I only know about it because of the film. I've never, um, I've, I've never, I've never read it before. And this other one, okay, in Desert and Wilderness. Okay, interesting. Maybe, would it be suitable for my children, Andre? Philip is saying, so what you're saying is America is the popular kid, but not necessarily the intelligent kid. You might think that, Philip, I couldn't possibly say... Uh, moving swiftly on, Jacqueline, St. Joseph, St. Monica, St. Florian, St. Stephen, St. Anne, St. Dominic, St. Maximilian Colby, St. Jude, St. Pius X, St. Thomas More, our go-to saints. Well, this is, I think you have the problem I have, Jacqueline. There are just so many wonderful saints there. There are so many saints I absolutely love who are my go-to saints. Um, I am really, really rooting for Willie Doyle to be beatified. I, I so, so badly want this to happen. I never thought I could get quite so attached to a saint. I, I say that every time, but, you know, I'll, then I'll read another saint, uh, the life of another saint and think, gosh, he's amazing. Um, 
Maggie's saying, had so many trick-or-treaters last night. How about you guys? Snow White? The trick-or-treater is Snow White. Wow, that is Snow White, isn't it? Yes, and it's at this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven dwarfs. That's wonderful. Check out this Catholic family's Halloween costumes. I think that's just wonderful. Um, yes, I, we did have a, a lot of trick-or-treaters around our neighbourhood. Not so many in the others. Um, people said that they just seemed to be a little bit quieter this year, but the weather was bad. Um, it was dry just about long enough for children to get get around a few houses, but it's it's just been such bad weather. Uh, Though, weirdly, my daughter went as a shadow, completely covered, head to foot in black. And uh, she said that when she knocked on one door, a six-year-old child came out to give her sweets and burst into tears. So that was a bit awkward. I really, really did not want to frighten anybody. It, I thought she looked like a kind of... I thought she looked a bit more like a chess piece, to be honest, but I don't know whether a six-year-old would see it that way. Um, they all had a pretty good Halloween, though. And I must say this, the trick-or-treaters were so polite. I say this every year. They are very polite. They appear at the door, say trick-or-treat, and, you know, I hand out the sweeties, and they all take one each. Um, my older children watched The Sixth Sense, which is deeply dubious theologically, but, hey, it's a very good story, and they didn't get the twist at the end until the last minute either. I last watched that in the cinema when I was a student and I drunk about a litre of Coke beforehand and I actually screamed. There was there was one particular flashback where you, you see things from the child's point of view and there's a whole lot of people hanging from rafters. And I do remember screaming the place down and everyone in the cinema burst out laughing. Uh, they didn't scream. Jacqueline, high of 68 degrees Fahrenheit today, 20 degrees Celsius. Oh, that's pretty nice. Yeah. Oh, it's sensate race too, of course. Andre saying, yes, it's a good book for your children. Right, let me write this down. There we are. You see, I'm now getting into the habit in desert and a wilderness of writing things down as they appear in the chat room. I mentioned the film The Goonies to my children yesterday and they said they had heard of it. Yeah, um, they haven't seen it yet, though, so we will watch it, but they had certainly heard of it. Um, Paul C. It was snowing, and in the 30s last night, very few trick-or-treaters in Michigan. Gosh, I bet snowing already. Does, does that usually happen in Michigan? Um, Denise, I'm saying we don't get trick-or-treaters at our house, so we went to downtown Sweetwater, where there was a big celebration with lots of people passing out candy and things. Well, I tell you what, when we were driving through the neighbourhood and out of, out onto the main road uh, this morning at, you know, five o'clock. There was there was a young woman in a white tutu wandering around. So I'm guessing she'd been at a pretty good Halloween party last night. Um, Philip saying it was a quiet year in CT2. Not many kids out of most houses were dark. I was surprised. Yes, we, we certainly found that... As with so many things post-COVID, things just never have quite got back to normal again. Um, I mean, there were trick-or-treaters, but I think in this case it was the weather that was the issue more than anything else. Um, Maggie saying we had tons of golf carts filled with children last night. Apparently the new bougie thing is to do is a pur purchase a tricked-out golf cart and ride around the neighbourhood. Okay. Jeffy Mann in Grand Rapids, Michigan. We had about half an inch of snow on the ground. Temperatures around 25 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. I'm going to tell you what, if the temperature dropped below zero here, we would be engulfed in snow. When you consider the amount of rain there's been, we would be absolutely covered. I mean, buried, I think. 
Um, children would like it. I think the novelty might wear off eventually. I hope you're not getting too cold, though. Um, Dr. Tourist, th there's a horror adaptation of Snow White? Really? There's a horror adaptation of Snow White? That sounds really scary. Thank you for sharing that, Dr. Torres. Whoa. Anyway, let me get back to my list of the top ten books. You're going to be so annoyed. Remember what I said? These are rankings on Goodread, okay? So in that tenth place, we knew it was 1984. Right. In ninth place, Les Miserables. Great novel, really, truly great novel, Les Miserables. Um, and Jean Valjean is regarded as one of the finest protagonists of the 19th century. A cynic might say that it's so popular because people have watched the musical, haven't they? Um, but that's it, that's fine. It's a good musical adaptation of the novel. It's, it does, it's not a travesty in any way, and if it introduces people to great literature, that is absolutely fine. Okay, that Snow White poster looks terrifying. Just really terrifying. No, thank you. Um, Denise, um, I think it's 30 degrees in East Tennessee, got the wood stove going. Well, we had to put our heating on because it was just getting so cold. Uh, but not that cold. We haven't got snow yet. Maggie, it's... I put the boo in bougie. <laughs> is this your family? Uh, Maggie. And, and this is your neighbourhood, is it? Okay. Right. That is wonderful. Okay, Les Miserables, I would not doubt, is a great idea. In eighth place, I don't get this at all. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest by Ken Casey. I saw the play adaptation of this. I was completely traumatised. But really, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest as, a, as a, the eighth most popular novel. In seventh place, Murder on the Orient Express. Love Agatha Christie. Love Agatha Christie and love the book. I actually think it's one of her less convincing murder mysteries. In fact, it is completely unconvincing that a man could find himself on the Orient Express and not notice he is completely surrounded by enemies. But there we are. That is apparently the seventh favourite book and the favourite book of Agatha Christie. Here we go. Oh, some oh, those are your TLM ladies last night, right? Denise, um, I love that costume. It's yes, it's a an Ender Dragon from Minecraft. The sad thing is, I could probably have even told you that because my children are obsessed with Minecraft. That is a great costume. You know, one of my children went as a mafia boss, and he wouldn't let me take a photograph. How sad is that? He had the trilby. And this, the dark suit and the, the shades and everything. He really did look the part. And he wouldn't let me take a photograph. How, how unsporting is that? It is. Good, mo uh, good morning, PDCTO. It's 56 minutes past the hour. You are listening to The Early Show with your hostess, Fiorella de Maria. If you have missed the show so far, never fear. You can get the whole of The Early Show as a podcast, same day, from crusademax.com. We have been talking about All Saints Day and favourite saints and go-to saints. Trick-or-treating, who went trick-or-treating? Was there a lot of trick-or-treating in your neighbourhood? Some wonderful costumes being put in the chat room. And it is National Author Day, so I am reading through the top 30 favourite novels as said by 
Goodreads, according to Goodreads ratings. Um, it's not the best metric, really, but it's kind of fun. Jacqueline, that is too priceless. There's, is this is this a grandson of uh, yours or is this someone from your school? Is dressed as Luigi from the uh, Mario Brothers and he's riding Yoshi. That's just perfect. My son would love that. He's obsessed with gaming, particularly the Mario franchise. That's just perfect. In fact, they've asked for um, Luigi's Mansion, I think it is. Luigi's Mansion for Christmas. So I'm going to have to start hunting for one. That is too, too cute. You're right, Maggie. Okay, so we're up to number eight. No, we're not. We're up to number six. In sixth place, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Again, I wouldn't have put that anywhere near the top 30. It's the epic sci-fi romp that takes place on the utterly insignificant little blue-green planet that is the Earth. Where Arthur Dent has a series of misadventures around the galaxy. The only really great thing about that film was that it had Martin Freeman in it. In fifth place, Papillon by Henri Charrier. Um, don't know it. Looks very, very interesting. In fourth place, and this is really galling, The Colour Purple by Alice Walker. I can safely say The Colour Purple is the biggest waste of two hours of my life. I think I have... Is it two hours it took me to plough through the thing? No, it must have been longer than that. It seemed to take about a decade. It is really terrible. It's really, really terrible. Okay, I've said it now. The colour purple is really, really useless. Um, I don't know. I might I might review it on the Fiora Files and try and say something a bit more intelligent about it. Denise M saying, we saw a few Marios and Luigis last night. And Jacqueline, oh, that's so sweet. What are they? Okay, there's a Superman. And that looks like, is that Elsa from Frozen? Who are those two huge doggies in uniform? Oh, Fifth grandbaby was too shy for pics. No. Who are they? Are they like Paw Patrol or something like that? That's great. Um, now I will, I will endeavour to write a bit more of an analysis of the colour purple in a Fiora Files episode sometime, but I absolutely loathed it. I had to read it at university and I've had to teach it before. Um, in third place, To Kill a Mockingbird. Ah, oh, well. You can't really go wrong there, can you? In second place, The Book Thief. Sorry, I don't see why that's number two. Just don't see that at all. Um, but in first place, okay, does anyone want to guess what in first place is the most popular book on Goodreads? Anyone want to guess? I actually have got to leave you a moment to consider what the most popular book might be. You may find this heartening. Novel, I mean. Popular novel, okay? I will I will leave you with that one just for a little moment and move on. A man has been rescued. Paul C. is in Catcher in the Rye. Nope. <laughs> You're going to love this. Um... 
Ghost, what is this? Ah, Philip, what is that? This ain't no bedtime story. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Oh, oh, what is that? I'm gonna have nightmares now. <laughs> right, okay. Not looking, not looking. Um, a fisherman who is... No, I, I could have seen that picture. Could, could somebody, somebody else put something in the chat room? War and Peace, Paul C. Nope. Okay, I'm going to leave the fisherman story because I'm not sure we're going to have time. Um, Jacqueline Hobbit, Call of the Wild. No, no. Two Just Stop Oil activists have been arrested after spray painting a dinosaur at the Natural History Museum. Um, Jacqueline Tink didn't hear the first part of the list. Um, oh, don't worry. It probably it won't make them. It, it w won't make a difference to the guests, I don't think. You can just just guess. If if you guess something that is somewhere else on the list, I will tell you. Uh, Maggie saying, is this list strictly fiction? Yes, it is strictly fiction. Yes, two Just Stop Oil activists thought it would be terribly funny to spray paint a dinosaur skeleton at the Natural History Museum and have been arrested. The really, really annoying thing about this, the two people who did it, One's a consultant gastroenterologist called Will Stableforth, and the other is a physiotherapist called Steve Fay. And part of me thinks, don't you two know better? You know, you're not little kiddie students trying to make a scene. You're actually respected professionals. Do you have nothing better to do than to deface a dinosaur? Um, Paul C. saying Les Miserables. No, but it was in the list. Anyone else want to make a guess? Maggie saying Lord of the Rings. And do you know something? The winner is indeed Lord of the Rings. Sadly, Jacqueline, Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe didn't even make the top 30 in terms of popularity. Though I don't think there were any children's books in that top 30 list. Which is strange because I think there should have been. Maybe they maybe they just decided to make it just adults. Um Maggie's saying, winner, winner, chicken dinner. Do I get chocolates? Only if KV remembers to give me mine, which he won't. Um, sorry about that. You can have some virtual chocolates. There we are. And, and, the, and the honour of having made the right guess. Yes, indeed. Lord of the Rings is the all-time most popular. It is an enduringly popular novel trilogy. And it's... Hang on a second. It's, oh, in fact, it's the it's all three of them together are deemed to be the most popular on the Goodreaders. I just love the fact that Tolkien is so popular. I think that's it's just so wonderful. There is also a non-fiction list. Would you like me to give you some idea? I'm not going to go through the all forty of them because there are flipping hundreds of the things and most of them I've never even heard of because I'm a saddo who lives in a cave awaiting the apocalypse right would you like to know what my the top 10 non-fiction books are you're going to be absolutely appalled by what are the most popular books do you want to give some some sort of an idea of what genre the non-fiction books that are most popular are. The really sad thing is, they are mostly autobiographies or memoirs, 
by people I have never heard of. Or worse, I've sort of heard, oh yes, isn't she sort of famous for being famous or something? Um, yeah, it's those sorts of things. Not sure, it's God and Man at Yale. Nope. In tenth place. Is Paul C's popular according to whom? According to Goodreads. It's, it's a sort of Goodreads. Get on to Goodreads if you've never done Goodreads before. Sign up for an account. It's sort of social media for bookworms, for bibliophiles. Authors are on it. Readers are on it. You, you, um, you discuss the books you're reading. You record the books you want to read. You are currently reading, have read. You've got virtual bookshelves. I love it myself. I love Goodreads. Um, but this is, yes, popular according to Goodreads. So it's probably the foremost social media site for, for readers, for serious readers. But it is only a book site. OK, so when I say popular, it's just it, it's all done according to their rankings, because when you finish a book and you, you record it on Goodreads, you are asked to give it a ranking, you know, out of five stars. You get the idea. And you can write a review as well and all the rest. So this is just purely based upon numbers of rankings and which rankings? Okay. Top 10 nonfiction. In 10th place, The Beauty of Living Twice by Sharon Stone. I don't know who Sharon Stone is. Could somebody help me? In 9th place, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey. Don't know how to say it. Um, and I've never seen the book before. In eighth place, Going There by Katie Couric. Again, don't know who she is. In seventh place, I'm Your Huckleberry. Another autobiography. I don't know who Val Kilmer is. This is really awkward. In sixth place, The Meaning of Mariah Carey. Do you want to guess who that's by? In fifth place, Madly Deeply, The Alan Rickman Diaries. Okay, I wouldn't mind reading The Alan Rickman Diaries. That's probably, I do know who Alan Rickman was. Okay, that's probably the only one on the list of the top 10 list of non-fiction favourites I would actually read. Okay, they're all actors, basically, are there, Denise? Okay, thanks. Um, Jeffy Mann, love the fact that Fiorella doesn't know any of these people. <laughs> I know, this is really embarrassing. I'm going to have to educate myself. Okay, oh, here we are. Sharon and Matthew are actors. Val Kilmer is an actor. Casey Couric is an anchor. Okay, getting there. Right. Um, here he is. I'm a Huckleberry. Right. Okay, they're all actors. Okay. I'm just not interested in Hollywood. I'm sorry. I, I try so hard. I mean, Alan Rickman's slightly different because I loved his voice. I did love Alan Rickman's treacly voice. Um, in fourth place... You Got Anything Stronger by Gabriel, Gabrielle Union. Uh, who's she? Somebody help me. Uh, um, actors and self-important people, according to Jeffy Mann. Yes, that sort of sums it up. Famous for being famous, more or less. Um, yes, someone's asking. Maggie's asking, how are these top selling books? Yeah, people buy these. People actually buy these things. Um, um, in third place, the answer is... Reflections on My Life by Alex Trebek. Um, please, somebody tell me who he is. In second place, Call Me Crazy. Oh, this is that woman, Anna, uh, Anne, I can't remember how you say her name. H-E-C-H-E. -E. Um, she, didn't she, uh, did she die last year? 
uh, Call Me Crazy, and it was her tell-all memoir about her mental health problems. Okay. Do you want to know what the most popular non-fiction book is at the moment? Bear in mind this might have something to do with recent news. This is a hint. Yes, it is an, a memoir by an actor, but think about what's happened in the last week or two. I don't really understand. Is it just me? Well, I can't understand why people are interested in these people. I can't understand why readers would buy books, memoirs of people who are so vacuous. I mean, what is so exciting about the life of an actor? Is it because people secretly want to be actors or something? I, you know, what, what can they possibly have to say that that's, is that exciting? Okay. Anyone want to guess the, the top selling, not top selling, sorry, the most popular non-fiction book at the moment? And yes, it is a memoir. And yes, it is by an actor. Oh, so this was a uh, Denny Sam saying this woman was a Jeopardy host who died last year. Okay. Um, oh, okay, right. Um, Maggie saying um, Gabrielle Union is a racist. That book is about surrogacy, racism, and about being a black woman in America. Denny Sam is asking, is it Matthew Perry? It is Matthew Perry. Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing by Matthew Perry. This was his memoir um, of the, the one time Chandler, Chandler Bing released a memoir about his addiction problems his therapy uh, the, his stays in mental institutions he had to pay a $650,000 fine once when his erratic behaviour shut down a movie set. A lot of people apparently did not realise how ill he was until they read this book. Well, to be honest, many people did not realise how bad things were for him until his death was announced. Very tragic. Um, but yes, a lot of people carry things, um, carry wounds they don't show to people. Jeffy Mann is making the very valid and astute point that the majority of them would be ghostwritten too. Well, quite. Um, they mostly will be ghostwritten. And what bothers me just a little bit, I don't know how to feel about this because, well, my publisher does not publish this rubbish, but the mainstream publishers who do publish these celebrity memoirs, they pay huge advances. I mean, huge advances to these celebrities for books that, yes, almost certainly are written by somebody else. And that have nothing to say. When, you know, a 21-year-old footballer's wife writes a memoir, exactly how much life has she got to write about? And then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got aspiring writers of really good quality literary fiction who cannot get published because they're not going to make money like that. And it just feels so wrong. I just feel like all this dross, which makes money, should be used by publishers as a way to open up opportunities for writers of books that probably won't be as big sellers, but are worth having in print. That's my view. Um, there's a column in the British satirical newspaper, Private Eye, called Books and Bookmen, which dishes the dirt on the publishing industry. And it's very, very funny in many cases where they they look at the inside story behind some, um, some really, you know, 
some really bad book that's been published or some really seedy situation but it's it's really worth it. it's the first column i look at whenever i buy private eye louise is saying that left-wingers are obsessed with race it's a bore well i've said this before and i will say this again i'm it's particularly on my mind at the moment because i was asked the other day if i consider myself a woman of color or person of color the biggest divider the most the, the thing that excludes the most people the, the great divider in society is not race it is not sexuality it's not religion it's none of those things it is money it is the haves versus the have-nots it makes me so angry particularly in sport there's this obsession with rainbow flags and showing how inclusive we are when the biggest thing that stops young athletes achieving their dream is not being able to afford the damn training you know is having to compete against people whose daddies have long pockets who can get them to specialist academies and get them to international events and get them the finest coaching money can buy you know the real exclusion is financial and it always has been i can't remember who it was who said there have been great political leaders who were gay who were black who were asian who um who were women there has never been a great political leader who was poor you know, it's just it's the it's the issue that is being deliberately avoided. All of this identity politics is one huge distraction from the real problem that divides society. Mike, are you there before I start ranting? Okay, so I'll rant a bit more, shall I? Anyway, that's just my feeling. I need to get that, that off my chest. Um, I'm just so very very aware of it, and I know, unfortunately, I think class still counts for quite a lot in Britain. It's not not supposed to but let's face it it does the way you speak the way you dress your manners you know these things people do pick it up even your name if you have a if you have a sort of middle class sounding name you'll probably do better than if you have what's regarded as a slightly more chavy name as they call it you're voted off the island <laughs> you don't know who alex trebek was no oh that's it you need some culture, cultural enlightenment, ma'am. Culture? <laughs> How is that culture? Jeopardy, Jeopardy, the TV show? What's wrong with the quiz show? What is Jeopardy? Jeopardy is the greatest quiz show ever broadcast on television. You don't even know what, you, you don't know what Jeopardy is? But I know what the word means. <laughs> I You've they never do seen. Show. They, they don't, don't have a UK. TV. They don't have a UK version of Jeopardy. Oh, probably. I don't do game shows. I don't do daytime TV. Oh uh, well, this is nighttime TV. This isn't daytime TV. Oh, most quiz shows in Britain are shown during the day. So the uh, Jeopardy might have started during the day, but it, it went moved to late afternoon, uh, early evening. They give you the instead of you, you don't provide the answer, you provide the question. Okay. So the, the 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 question, if you will, comes in the form of: This U.S. president was born in 1726 and died in 17 on December the 14th, 1799. Good luck. And then, if you're going to respond, your response is: Who is George Washington? Okay. So that's how no, they, I get the idea. It's, it's a clever idea for a game show. Yeah. 
Oh, it's been on for 40 some odd years now. Oh, because I, I assumed it was new. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> this goes back to the... This might go back to the 60s. It was, it was on when I was, uh, when I was in school in the 70s. So it's at least, it's at least... 75, so to make a 25, it's at least 40-plus years uh, long-running. Wow. I mean, we, we do have probably something very similar over here. There are so many game shows. They are, in fact, very popular. Um, the only the only um, quiz show I've ever got slightly addicted to, my children got a bit addicted to, uh, one summer when they were at a skate camp and just needed to collapse in front of the television in the afternoon, was Catchphrase. Yeah, it, it de- Jeopardy debuted in 1964. And okay, Art that's... Fleming was the original host. Trebek. I still hadn't heard of it today. Okay. Yeah, yeah Alex, Alex Trebek <laughs> took it over in the 80s. And uh, he was probably the host for twenty some odd, uh, almost thirty years. So yeah, and he was the, because he was <laughs> he was a smart aleck. He'd look at him like, oh god, dude, you're so stupid. You, <laughs> he'd look at somebody, you don't know the answer to this one. Okay, I'm just gonna quit life. <laughs> he was he didn't say that. He just did it with his expressions, uh, and he would go like, uh, the correct answer is what is the alphabet? The alphabet. <laughs> Next. <laughs> I mean, he would, he would mock people <laughs> when they would miss a question. I tell you who was like that, and I tell you who was like that it was the um, it was Anne Robinson of the Weakest Link. Okay, I think that Anne Robinson was probably aping Alex Trebek, and she you're was, right. She was and, nasty. Yeah, she was. Was she was mean? Trebek wasn't yeah, mean. She wasn't mean at all. The, mm. the Weakest Link, uh, uh, Miss Robinson. <laughs> she was mean. Now, I must know, where did you she, get she, this? She didn't, by the way, she's a genuinely not very nice person because she went to um, she went to one of the Catholic schools around here. And? Um, blames it for everything that went wrong in her oh, life. You, you, back- you know, there was, uh, we were uh, listening the two Sundays ago to a sermon on Sunday sermon, and I don't know who this priest's name is, but... We get a lot of his audio the last uh, two years, and he said something uh, about what you're just talking about that I had not heard before and makes uh, a a lot of the tragedy that is the last 60 years make just a little more sense. He said that in the United States, and uh, maybe it was happening in the UK, but in the United States, the demand and the need for, because the population was growing so fast, the demand and the need for Catholic schools was so great. And uh, going through now, the 1960s and on into the, uh, uh, the mid-70s, that demand for Catholic schools was so great that, and especially in the 1940s and 50s after the war, uh, that the church did not have, there were not enough women and brothers who professed vows, who took vows, that could staff the schools, who and they had traditionally done so, right? Mm-hmm. And so they had to lower the threshold for who could teach at a Catholic school and how many years of formation you had to have. So they lowered it from six years of formation to two. And that's oh. what unleashed an entire generation of unprepared, poorly formed, primarily women as sisters 
on into Catholic schools. And yeah, there were abuses. Yes, there were. That and makes he, it, that that's so interesting. Doesn't that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Um, I mean, I do also think that there there is always that. I always feel there's a, a huge tendency to blame, uh, and sometimes, you know, in in the case of this particular person, she made a lot of bad choices. You know, the the nuns, the Silesian nuns who educated her, didn't make her do those things. I mean, what what I know what was commented about was that she went back for a school reunion and was appallingly rude to everybody and just started insulting this elderly, this really sweet elderly nun everybody liked a lot. Um, so I think this is somebody who's genuinely not a very nice person. Okay, I I, I didn't know that, but you you see there's some Jeopardy memes in the uh, chat room now. Uh, they did oh, it, yes. they did it on the TV show. Uh, Saturday Night Live, and they made uh, they put Al they put Sean Connery or an actor that played Sean Connery up against Trebek, and oh. Sean Connery. <laughs> okay, Trebek, I'll take the rapist for a thousand, and then the guy playing Trebek would come on and goes, uh, Mr. Connery, that's therapist. <laughs> <laughs> very, uh, very tongue-in-cheek oh, kind of funny. She hates Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, I know you hate Sean Connery, so now you probably hate Alex. <laughs> she, 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 she can't stand Sean Connery. Now she can't stand Alex Trebek. Sorry. <laughs> now, uh, no, I just, now, I must ask, where is this uh, top, uh, list of top ten books that you were getting that uh, had Val Kilmer uh, and I'm your Huckleberry in it? Um, it was the, the Goodreads most popular books. Oh, the Goodreads most popular yeah. books. Okay. Doesn't necessarily just, mean they're good books. No, I mean, it's literally the ones that are most highly rated at the moment. That's um, for the children that are left reading. Well, well, children don't really do Goodreads, of course. It's, it's almost all adults because... You know, because of social media regulations. Oh, um, oh, good. Okay, I would say Goodreads. this is a pretty harmless one to be on. Well, they uh, the, the children aren't reading, and because uh, they're, they're watching a lot of TikTok videos, which are being banned now. Uh, how many states? Twelve. Twelve. Oh, wow, really? Twelve states have banned TikTok from being uh, broadcast inside their state. Oh, it's an epidemic. It's horrid. It's absolutely yeah. horrible. Um, and uh, there are 16 more that are considering legislation right now that basically bans TikTok from being broadcast in the, in, into the uh, into the into the state. Well, I don't. If you see anything, especially if it's a news item or something, we hardly ever use anything that we find on TikTok because we know mm -hmm. that the Chinese Communist Party runs the thing. Yeah. The CCP yeah. is running it. The whole thing is a propaganda site. You know, there's some useful idiot stuff on there. Like, <laughs> At the brain dead masses gobble, I'm going, video on TikTok. It's the greatest. Like, yeah, dude, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, <laughs> then I'll go and try and find it somewhere. We'll go and try and find it somewhere else so we don't have to use uh, a TikTok. But it really is a, a, something that has reached, maybe not in, amongst your children, but amongst many children in the U.S., uh, epidemic proportion. And he said something uh, about what you're just talking about that I had not heard before and makes uh, a, a lot of the tra tragedy that is the last 60 years make just a little more sense. He said that in the United States, and uh, uh, maybe it was happening in the UK, but in the United States, the demand 
and the need for, because the population was growing so fast, the demand and the need for Catholic schools was so great. And uh, going through now, the 1960s and on into the, uh, uh, the mid-70s, that demand for Catholic schools was so great that, and especially in the 1940s and 50s after the war, uh, that the church did not have, there were not enough women and brothers who professed vows, who took vows that could staff the schools, who, and they had traditionally done so, right? Mm-hmm. And so they had to lower the threshold for who could teach at a Catholic school and how many years of formation you had to have. So they lowered it from six years of formation to two. And that's oh. what unleashed an entire generation of unprepared, poorly formed, primarily women as sisters on into Catholic schools. And yeah, there were abuses. Yes, there were. That and makes he, it, that, that's so interesting. Doesn't that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Um, I mean, I do also think that there, there's always that I always feel there's a, a huge tendency to blame, um, and sometimes, you know, in in the case of this particular person, she made a lot of bad choices. You know, the the nuns, the Silesian nuns who educated her, didn't make her do those things. I mean, what what I know was what was commented about was that she went back for a school reunion and was appallingly rude to everybody, and just started insulting this elderly, this really sweet elderly nun everybody liked a lot. Um, so I think this is somebody who's genuinely not a very nice person. Okay, I I, I didn't know that, but you, you see, there's some Jeopardy memes in the uh, chat room now. Uh, they did it. Oh, yes. They did it on the TV show uh, Saturday Night Live, and they made uh, they put Al- they put Sean Connery or an actor that played Sean Connery up against Trebek, and oh. Sean Connery. <laughs> okay, Trebek, I'll take the rapist for a thousand, and then the guy playing Trebek would come on and goes, uh, Mr. Connery, that's Therapist. <laughs> Brown. So, very, uh, very tongue-in-cheek no, kind of funny. That. She hates Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, I know you hate Sean Connery, so now you probably hate Alex. <laughs> she, 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 she can't stand Sean Connery, now she can't stand Alex Trebek. Sorry. <laughs> now, uh, no, I just- now, I must ask, where is this uh, t- uh, list of top ten books that you were getting that uh, had Val Kilmer uh, and I'm your Huckleberry in it? Um, it was the, the Goodreads most popular books. Oh, the Goodreads most popular yeah. books. Okay. Doesn't necessarily just, mean they're good books. No, I mean, it's literally the ones that are most highly rated at the moment. That's um, for the children that are left reading. Well, well, children don't really do Goodreads, of course. It's, it's almost all adults because... You know, because of social media regulations. Oh, um, oh good. Okay, I would say Goodreads. this is a pretty harmless one to be on. Well, they uh, the, the children aren't reading, and because uh, they're, they're watching a lot of TikTok videos, which are being banned now. Uh, how many states? Twelve. Twelve. Oh, wow, really? Twelve states have banned TikTok from being uh, broadcast inside their state. Oh, it's an epidemic. It's horrid. It's absolutely mm-hmm. horrible. 
Um, and uh, there are 16 more that are considering legislation right now that basically bans TikTok from being broadcast in the, in, into, the, uh, into, the, into the state. Well, I don't, if you see anything, especially if it's a news item or something, we hardly ever use anything that we find on TikTok because we know mm-hmm. that the Chinese Communist Party runs the thing. Yeah. The CCP yeah. is running it. The whole thing is a propaganda site. You know, there's some useful idiot stuff on there. Like, <laughs> At the brain dead masses gobble them going, Did you see that video on TikTok? It's the greatest. Like, yeah, dude, I saw it. Yeah, I saw it. Uh, <laughs> then I'll go and try and find it somewhere. We'll go and try and find it somewhere else so we don't have to use uh, a TikTok. But it really is a, a, something that has reached, maybe not in amongst your children, but amongst many children in the U.S., uh, epidemic proportions, where they're, um, they are addicted. It is literally oh, yeah. an addiction. It is, a, it, it is you know, uh, okay, a little bit of science 101, technology 101 to understand mm-hmm. how this is possible. And when someone says, mm-hmm. they're making a choice, no, 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 there is actual science behind this. Do you know what a refresh rate is? Mm, no, I mean, is it the rate at which you refresh the page? No, no. Okay, are you looking at mm-hmm. a computer monitor screen right now? Uh, yes. Okay. It to show you the video of Trebek moving. It's not. It's it's tricking you. So the refresh rate is the rate at which the screen refreshes, so that you can, so it can mimic movement. So something's not actually moving. You have frame. You have frame A where Trebek is looking to his left, and then frame B, and there is a just a nanosecond, a millisecond, millisecond right. blackening of the screen. So you can change the 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 frame to the, like a film, kind of like how a film works. Well, uh, um, a television screen has a refresh rate. An old analog TV is 75 to 85 kilohertz, I want to say. Um, uh, So that's 7,500 times, 7,500 times a second. Your computer screen is doing the same thing. Now, a a digital screen does the same thing as well. Now, because it's a pattern and it's repetitive, it's by definition, if you look at it long enough, addictive because you come accustomed mm-hmm. to the refresh. Yeah. Just like, do you know people who can't stand to be under fluorescent lights for a long period of time? Mm, sure. M- Maggie's one of them. Do you yeah, know why? No. Because if a fluorescent light loses the same technology, it refreshes. Okay. It's microseconds. It's flickering on and off. To give you, that's how it. That's how it's creating its light pattern, which is why fluorescent lights give people headaches. It's also why these infernal that they've all forced us into now these LED lights uh, that we all now have in all of our homes because they forced us because you can't hardly buy a, 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 an incandescent, good old fashioned tungsten wire bulb, an Edison bulb, if you will. The LED light is doing the same thing. It's, it's tricking your mind. It's refreshing. Very fast. Mm, okay. So some people can't be under LED lights now because they get headaches. So the yes, technology. I mean, I actually, uh, so, mm-hmm. so what's woven into the, the the technology of the computer screen and the television screen is addictive by nature because you will become accustomed to that refresh. The real world, the outside world where your eyes are actually not doing a refresh, right? The outside mm-hmm. world when you're looking at natural things won't 
look the same. It will not be as appealing to you because especially the more time you spend in front of the addictive device, the more your mind is expecting when you look away that the world's going to refresh. And when it doesn't, you start to question and then move away from reality. So yeah. is all this related? Oh, you're going to have to buy the book. <laughs> is well. it all part of a giant scheme? Maybe television, tell a Vision. So people have figured out that, wait a minute, why do they call it television? Where do you get the word? Well, it's because it's from the Greek word, telling and telos and all that. I don't see any telos. What's that? It is. Telos. I don't see any telos in the TV screen. Do you? Well, that's not the point. I think you know, that's how we tend to put words together in the English language. I, I know. <laughs> but why did they choose telos? Telos. Depending on whose side you're on. Uh. Okay, this seems to be going into the... This is merging into the world of conspiracy theory. Uh, well, I, no. no <laughs> it's a fair question. Why was the name chosen? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I, I think there is there's somebody has actually solved the question. So who won the most popular saint? Well, St. Therese came up a few times. With the, with Maggie, you need to start a, a poll. I want a I want a chat room poll today. We'll, we'll, There's too many saints. You can't do that. Well, we'll, we'll, this is the problem. Wait, people people name so many saints. I will pick the six runners. You can only have four. <laughs> I will give you the four. St. Augustine, St. Therese, St. Anthony, and... <laughs> who should it be? St. Uh, somebody's going to say St. Francis. Uh, you can't go wrong with any of the... Uh, any, uh, any of the Francis. You have to have one Franciscan. You have to have one that's not affiliated. You have to have at least one sister. Um, uh, shouldn't you have a pope in there? How about a married woman? Okay, which one? Uh, Gianna Beretta Molla. Who? St. Gianna. Never heard of her. St. Gianna? Yes, you have. Gianna Molla, yes, the... Yeah. The, um, the, that's the woman, the Italian woman who, you know, she gave up her life to save her unborn child. Um, is this, this is recent. 1960s. Yes. You know, I, the only reason I have heard of her is I think KV wrote about her. Um, I think that might have been Chiara Pedrella. That's a new, this, this one happened maybe 10, 12 years ago. Yes, that was, that's Chiara. That's Chiara. Okay, Gianna Beretta Mola. Yes. Never heard of her. Yes, you I can't believe that St. Gianna. Um, no. Well, I know of a St. Gianna. St. John is, is Gianna. Um, what about St. Zoe or Zelie Martin? Yes. Okay. Oh, she, someone's put a picture of her. Someone's put a picture of her in the um, chat room. She was the uh, she was the mother of St. Therese. Yes. Who was recently canonized. Mm -hmm. So the, there's a married woman. Well, St. Yes. Elizabeth the Hungry, married. St. Rosa, mm -hmm. uh, St. Rita of, um, of um, oh gosh, Corsica, married. Yeah. So there's a couple of married uh, women right no, no, there. There are plenty of them. It's just, they don't always get to look in. Was it St. Bridget married, uh, the Bridgetines? Did she um, marry the queen? Wasn't she married to the king of Sweden? 
don't know. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I, I think so. Yeah, there were many Mary. Uh, uh, there were matriarchs where there were women who were who were kind of princes or queens rather that outlived their king husbands and then mm-hmm. went on to to dedicate their their lives. Who was the one who lost her? her she lost her her husband, and then oh, she, and then she lost her eldest mean. son. Um, and she had to be queen at the same time she was trying to take vows. Uh, yeah, Jacqueline says St. Monica, that's right. Uh, St. Monica was uh, was married. St. Helen. St. Helen. St. Anne Seton. Yes, St. Anne Seton, who there is a university here in the United States named after her. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a village. There's an entire village. It's a wonderful place to uh, to visit. Uh, Seton, it's where uh, Saint Anne Seton. Uh, I get the, the school is Seton Hall. Mm-hmm. Caesar is Saint Hedwig. Saint Hedwig. Yes, yes. There's lo- there are uh, there are lots of them. Well, it's a blessed all uh, feast of the uh, of All Saints Day, and uh, here in the uh, United States, we could use some saints. <laughs> we could use some saints in positions of power and authority. Oh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? I think the Western world could use some saints in positions of power and authority. Like a, a we could use a Garcia Moreno right now. Uh, mm-hmm. We could use a Blessed Carl of Austria right now. Uh, maybe there's a reason why one was uh, one was exiled and died of pneumonia, and the other one was just assassinated on the steps of a church uh, after leaving, after assisting at mass. Uh, yes, mm. All Saints Day is is there, there's a reason why the church makes it one of the three remaining holy days of obligation that you have to go to mass today. Now I don't know. Do they move the feast in uh, in your diocese or in England to Sunday? No, no, it's a holy day of obligation today. I'll go tonight. Okay, good. Good to hear it. All right, um, we will uh, see you on Friday then, and the South Africans are in tomorrow. They are indeed. They'll be on top of the world. Well, we we will hope it's- that they will they'll be in. <laughs> <laughs> Electricity and internet. <laughs> uh, yes, that's hope. We'll say a little prayer. It is 34 minutes past the hour. It's been my absolute pleasure to bring you the early show all the way from a very, very wet England. Don't forget to write to me at Fiorella at crusadechannel.com. And the chat room is open for your commentary as well at crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. I'll now leave you with the King Dude, Mike Church himself. You're listening to the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be. Mm-hmm.